we can all become better at listening, listening to each other and listening to our children. We're very good at hearing the words. When we, when we talk to each other or we talk to our children, we're very good at hearing the words they're saying. Sometimes we're not so good at listening to the feelings behind those words. And it's a skill that we can all learn. That's a skill that every parent can learn and practice so that when their child is talking to them or you're having this discussion about alcohol and drugs, you're not just hearing what they're saying. You're hearing what they're feeling. Because so many kids that that I have worked with, when you dig beneath the alcohol and drug use, when you look beyond the alcohol and drug use, you often find an underlying reason why they're using a substance. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Today's episode of Raising Adults is brought to you by Beyond Personal Finance. Our teenagers are not being taught a skill they will need daily for the rest of their lives, how to make wise choices with money. The books and videos out there are boring and impersonal, and most teens tune it out because they already know it all. These know-it-alls are heading for trouble. Beyond Personal Finance can help. Remember when you were 25? Maybe you thought you'd have fancy cars and join a country club by age 30? Do you remember your wake-up call? Well, Beyond Personal Finance remembers theirs, and that's why they created Beyond Personal Finance, to teach teens and youth about money and the future so they don't have to learn it the hard way like we did. Beyond Personal Finance is a beefed-up game of life that's interactive as well as informative. In one semester, less than two hours per week, your teen will experience the adult years from age 22 to 42 by making real choices and real budgets without the real regrets. Come see for yourself at www.bpfclass.com. That's bpfclass.com. It will be an experience even the most skeptical teen will thank you for. Hello, FFPs and Raising Adults listeners. We wanted to share some exciting news with you. We now have a Facebook group just for you. It's called Future Focused Parents, and it's a great place where you can have the opportunity to interact with other future focused parents just like you who are wanting to lay a great foundation for raising adults instead of kids. It's a place where you can go in, you can ask questions if you've had a parenting struggle and want to get some advice from other FFPs. You can walk in there and share some victories, maybe something that's gone great in your parenting lately. And it's just a really fun place for you guys to interact as listeners. Yes. So if you're interested in becoming a member of the group, it's totally free. Just look up Future Focused Parents. Click join. It will ask you a couple of questions and then you will be a part of the group. We really hope that you'll join us. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Raising Adults. We're so glad to have you with us today. And if you're new with us on the podcast, we are not together at the moment due to the ongoing special circumstances. So many of you may know we used to record together in Kira's laundry room. At the moment, Kira's in her laundry room. Sadly, I am under a staircase. So (laughs) we are looking forward to the day when we can be together again. But if you're new here, we really want to give you a hearty welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in and and listening with us. We love getting to share with our audience about the importance of intentional and proactive parenting. So we're glad to have you along today. 
Well, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I'm not sure that uh, I've had an opportunity to talk to hosts that have been confined to a laundry room or under a staircase. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we're off to a very unique and different start. But thank you very much for taking the time to talk to oh, me. Oh my goodness, that is that is just so great and so true. And listeners, we are excited to have Richard Capriola with us today. And I'm going to introduce him more formally in a minute. But he's going to share some real wisdom and experience with us about substance abuse and how that might look different in young people and what we can be doing as parents to just watch out for that and even protect our kids from the dangers of of substances. So Kira, how are you over there today? I'm well, thank you. I'm better this week than I was last week when I was very tired. So yes, that's are you caffeinated? And- I am half. I've got my coffee right in front of me. I've got my dog at my feet. He oh, is now perfect. He is no longer a pain in the butt. He is now like really happy to just be with me in the laundry room studio. Oh, so that's wonderful. Life is life is good. And it's I'm great. I'm really looking forward to talking with you, Richard, because I feel like first and foremost, you know, Dina, you and I, we touched on this, right? We talked about our own perspectives on this, and you certainly have a, a really important perspective having kind of walked this with one of your kids. But I think it's so helpful when we can bring on experts that can share different perspectives on this and share some of the details that maybe you and I don't even have. Um, mm-hmm. And I know for me, having nine-year-olds, like we are really just on the brink of going, we got to be eyes on this. We got to be thinking about this. We got to make sure we're doing right by our, our little people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to to today's conversation. Yeah, this is a lot about being future focused. So I really want to encourage those of you who maybe looked at the episode title and thought, oh, I can skip it. I have youngers to not skip it, to listen in and be thinking now, again, being proactive. Think now about the strategies that you can employ. Think about the conversations you might need to have. So just really want to encourage you to hang in there and listen to this episode, even if you have littler guys. But before we jump in, we also have to welcome our new member, Kira. We have a new member of the Future Focus Parenting family. We do. Her name is Molly. Molly, thank you so much for being with us. We are so, so excited to have you on board. Welcome, Molly. We're so glad that you've that you've joined, and we just look forward to sharing all this fun content with you in the membership library. So we're going to jump into the interview, but I am going to first introduce our guest today a little more formally so you can just learn a little bit about his background. So we're happy to have Richard with us today. Richard Capriola has been a mental health and addictions counselor for over two decades. He has been licensed in both Illinois and Texas, and he worked for over a decade at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, where he treated adults and adolescents diagnosed with mental health and substance abuse issues. So welcome, Richard. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you, ladies. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here today and to talk about this issue of adolescent substance abuse. And and whether you have a child that might be six or seven or 16 or 17 or 18, uh, this is a subject that I think cuts across so many families. And, and it is so important that every Every parent be aware of this issue, know what the warning signs are, be prepared to have discussions with the, with your child about this, um, and, and just be better educated and better informed about what's going on out there because your kids are vulnerable. They're, uh, they're vulnerable to uh, being exposed to uh, substances like alcohol and drugs. So I really appreciate the time that you're giving me to, uh, to be here today and to talk about this topic. 
You bet. Well, every time we do an episode, Richard, we we always start with our why for that parenting topic. Why is it important to us? What's our why for how we approach it? And we love to have our guests do the same. So would you be willing to just take a moment and share whatever you'd like about your work, your book, and what is your why for getting into this important work? Well, I started out in the mental health field working in in Illinois in a mental health crisis center. And I noticed that a lot of people who were coming to the crisis center not only had a a mental health issue, but also a substance abuse issue. So I went back to the University of Illinois, received a master's degree in addictions counseling, and then eventually accepted the job in Houston, Texas with Menninger Clinic, which is one of the top 10 psychiatric hospitals in the country where I began working with adolescents and adults who had both mental health and substance abuse issues. And when I met with so many parents whose children I had assessed and diagnosed as a result of using substances, one of the most common responses that I got from them after hearing all of the details about their child's use of alcohol and drugs was something that went like, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they did suspect their child was using a substance, they would say to me, well, I knew something was going on, but I I didn't know it was this bad. So I wanted to provide a resource as as a roadmap to parents so that perhaps those parents who Um, get involved in this situation, know what to do. For those who have younger children, you know, what can they do to protect their child from substance abuse? So I wanted it to be uh, a a resource that's available to families. It only runs about a hundred and some pages. I didn't want to weigh it down with a lot of technicalities and a lot of jargon. I wanted it to be a book that uh, as a parent myself, I wish I would have had when when I was raising my son. Um, it's, It's basically meant to be uh, very straightforward, very educational, and, and and a roadmap, as I say, and a resource for parents. Mm, thank you for that. I, I had the distinct pleasure and opportunity to read a copy of the book and the accompanying workbook. And as someone who has walked alongside an addicted teen, I was really grateful for that piece, that accessibility that you're talking about. Not only as busy parents do we not have a ton of time for a 400-page tome about these things, but I did also appreciate the lack of technical and medical jargon. And whenever there was a term that needed to be explained, you explained it. And so it made things very accessible. The other thing you should know, parents, if you're considering getting your hands on this book is that the chapters are really short. So if you're wondering say, just about marijuana, you can flip right to the chapter about that and learn about the signs and symptoms of marijuana use, what you could be watching for as a parent, and be in and out really quickly. So really short and accessible and and just a great resource. And that's what we love, Richard, is we love having experts and guests on who have provided resources. Our parents love to be not just future-focused and intentional and all of that, but they want the tools and strategies. And I think this book can be one of those. So as we launch in, let's just kind of lay the foundation what is the backdrop of substance use for teens even looking like today? What kind of things are today's teens using? 
They continue to to gravitate towards alcohol and marijuana. Um, those are still the primary substances that that are being used. Uh, you know, roughly over half of seniors and almost forty percent of juniors uh, will say that they're drinking alcohol. Um, some thirty five percent of seniors will say that uh, they're using marijuana. Um, there's there's less exposure to hardcore drugs. For example, about four percent of seniors are using LSD. Three percent are using cocaine, around 2 to 3 percent, uh, maybe 4 percent are using prescription drugs like Ritalin and Adderall. But, but primarily the substances are alcohol and drugs. However, in the last three years, we have noticed a dramatic increase in adolescents who are vaping substances. That's where they take a substance, they use an electronic device uh, like an electronic pen or a USB type of device, looking device, and they will inhale a vapor that contains uh, either uh, uh, nicotine or, or marijuana. But in the last three years, there has been a tremendous increase in adolescents who are vaping nicotine and marijuana. For example, uh, three years ago, only 18% of seniors were vaping nicotine. Today, it's 34%. Three years ago, only 9% of adolescents were vaping marijuana. Today, it's 22%. So there's been a dramatic increase in adolescents who are, who are using vaping as a method to get their nicotine and their marijuana. And the problem with that is that we're just now beginning to see reports that both adults and and kids who are vaping are starting to report difficulty in concentrating and remembering. So it is having some consequences, uh, but there has been a, a, a dramatic increase in vaping among adolescents. Wow. Those statistics are staggering. I mean, three years. That's really, that's really fast to see those statistics jump like that. I'm curious, we talked a little bit before we hit record and what you were saying was so interesting. It sounds like there's a really big difference between adolescent addiction and adult addiction. And I had really never heard that before. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I, I think there's two major differences. The first is in brain development. The adolescent brain is, is, is in a process of developing. It doesn't get fully mature until around age 24 or 25. So the first big difference is that the adolescent brain, unlike the adult brain, uh, is not fully developed. Now, what does that mean? That means that uh, when you take a developing brain and, and you introduce substances like marijuana or nicotine or alcohol into a developing brain, you run the risk of that person becoming more likely to become attached to that substance or addicted to it. So the first difference is in brain development. The second difference is in consequences as a result of using alcohol or drugs. For adults, many times their addiction has led to catastrophic consequences in their life. They may have lost a job. They may have lost a marriage. Uh, they may have lost a, a, a relationship and they may have been incarcerated. So adults who are addicted, really addicted to substances, often find catastrophic consequences. Adolescents, on the other hand, very rarely have faced catastrophic consequences. Their, their biggest complaint and their biggest consequence usually involves their parents trying to impose some type of restriction on them, which then forces them to pull away even further. So I think consequences is another big difference between adolescent and adult addiction. Wow, that's really interesting. And and I would agree. 
I got to see this firsthand, that it looks quite a bit different, but I would agree that that's not really getting talked about as much. So thanks for highlighting those those distinctions. So if parents like our listeners want to be alert and want to have forethought and want to be just paying attention, what are some of the warning signs that they should know about or be looking looking out for? Well, my book, one of the things I wanted to stress was giving parents warning signs to look for. And and my book has different warning signs for uh, alcohol use. There's warning signs for marijuana use. Uh, There's signs to look for if you suspect your child might have an eating disorder or might be self-injuring, because many times these these type of behaviors, uh, an eating disorder, a self-injury, will accompany alcohol and drug abuse. So they, they go together. So I wanted parents to know what warning signs should they be looking for uh, for a child that might be cutting on themselves or a child who might be subject to some type of an eating disorder. Because many times parents are surprised to learn that either one of those are going on. But as a general rule, what I suggest to parents is pay attention to changes that you see in your child. Uh, These might be behavioral changes. uh, They might be appearance changes. They might be academic school performance changes. But pay attention to those changes. They may be an indication that something's going on underneath the surface. Don't just assume that they are uh, normal, typical uh, teenage uh, developmental behaviors. They may very well be, but there also may be some other reasons going on. And the more of these changes you see as a parent, the more concerned you should be. So pay attention to any of those changes that you see in your child and look into them and, and, and get them assessed and see what's really going on. Yeah, that's really helpful to know. I have a, I have a sort of two-part question. I want to ask about, you know, what should a parent do? do if they suspect that their children or child is abusing a substance. But I'm also kind of curious if you can speak to what's the difference between children who really can just dabble and the kids who get addicted just like that? Because it does seem to be that, you know, some kids can pick up a joint, you know, now and then and put it down and it it never becomes anything. And then some kids get totally addicted to a substance. So I'm curious if you can speak a little bit to that. And then also then if a parent is suspicious that something is going on and they've seen those warning signs, what do they do? Sure. And I think you're absolutely right. There, there are some children and, and even some adults mm-hmm. that can experiment with a substance. Uh, and they will either have a good experience or a bad experience, uh, and they may or may not continue with it. And even if they continue with it, it may be a short-term type of thing. And then there are others that um, they will try a drug. Maybe they're curious about it. Maybe they want to experiment uh, about it. They get a very pleasurable experience, and and then they continue to, to want that pleasurable experience. So they use more and more and more, and the tolerance builds up, and they have the need for more. Um, now, What's the difference? Um, I'm not sure we actually know. I think we know that some people are more vulnerable to become addicted than others. Part of it is genetics. 
uh, 40 to 60% of a person's vulnerability to become uh, addicted to a substance is purely genetics. That's no different than any other medical disease. For example, a, a woman who has a history of breast cancer uh, is more vulnerable to getting breast cancer. Doesn't mean she will, just makes she's at higher risk. A person who has diabetes in their family, they're at risk too. Well, the same is true for addiction. If addiction runs in the family, that places you at a higher risk. But that's 40 to 60 percent. What's the remaining percent? The remaining percent is environmental factors, high levels of stress, uh, high levels of anxiety, environmental factors. Those can also contribute. So there isn't any general rule as to why some children become compulsive, so to speak, about using substances and others won't. There are many, many factors uh, that, that are involved, but, but there are also protective factors that will protect a child from becoming vulnerable. And those involve a good family structure, good communication with their parents, trust with their parents, and things like that. So there are ways that we can protect our children. No child is totally protected. No child is, 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 is invulnerable to, to addiction. But there are things that we as parents can do uh, to reduce the risk. Wow. Thank you, Richard. Uh, We're going to pause and take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about what parents can really do if they suspect that their child is abusing drugs or alcohol. Well, hi, listeners and FFPs. We are just curious if you might be a part of a parents group or a co-op preschool or some kind of parent ed situation that might benefit from having Dina and I come and speak. We love to do public speaking engagements and we love to talk in more detail about some of the topics that we discuss on the show. We can speak on a wide array of popular parenting topics, including things like fostering emotional intelligence, parenting anxious kids, how to employ gentle discipline in your home, how to foster positive sibling relationships, and even how to implement things like manners and chores and setting up your family's unique value system. The other thing that can be really helpful, especially during this time, is we are able to present virtually via Zoom or other online platforms. So we're able to speak to groups even when we can't meet together in person. Yeah, so if you're a part of a group that might be interested in having us come and talk for a little bit, we always finish with a Q&A, which is honestly Dina's and my favorite part because we get to just answer your questions and see what came up from the topic that we're speaking about. So if you're interested in having us come, you can go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com, click on the Hire Us tab and go to public speaking. All the information that you need is right there. Okay, Richard, so... Tell us, like, if I'm suspicious, if I'm seeing those warning signs, what do I do? The first thing you do is have a discussion with your child. Um, Sit down with them, express your concern, express to them what you've been seeing, and see what kind of a response you get. You may get uh, a very negative response. Your child may become defensive, may become argumentative, may become angry. But the first thing to do is to have that discussion. Uh, express your concern. Not a, not not accuse your child of anything, but just try to get a better understanding of what's going on. Because in so many cases, what we find is that there may be an underlying reason why your child is using substances. And that's what you want to try and get to. You want to try and understand 
understand, is there a reason that my child is using substances? So the first Third, first thing to do is have a discussion with your child. And that may or may not go well, depending on the child, depending on a lot of other factors. But regardless of whether it goes well or not, the next step is you need to get a comprehensive assessment done. And I put an entire chapter in my book about comprehensive assessments. You need more than an addictions assessment. That's what I did. I did an addictions assessment. That's going to tell you what drugs your child's been using, how much they've been using, and how often they've been using, and what the diagnosis is. Do you have a child with a substance use disorder that's mild, moderate, or severe? But you also need other tests. You need a psychological test. You need a neuropsychological test. You need a complete physical examination. And then you put all of these assessments together, including an assessment on motivation to see where your child is in terms of their motivation. And then you put all of this together to get a diagnosis. And the purpose of a diagnosis is not to label your child. The purpose of a diagnosis is to set the framework for where do you go now? What treatment is needed? So have a conversation with your child, but regardless of how that goes, you need to get the assessments done so that you have a better understanding of what's going on with your child. What I really appreciate about what you just said there, Richard, is it's much more holistic, yeah. I think, than a lot of what we hear about. There there seems to be either a real emphasis on the neurological piece or emotional and behavioral piece and possibly to the neglect of the physiological components, or you can end up in the ditch on the other side, right? Where it's really about, let's get a physical exam, let's have an actual assessment, maybe a literal talk screen, and we're ignoring all these other pieces. And so I just love that you mentioned, you know, all of that needs to happen. This is a whole person here. It's like he, he's, what you're saying is that we not only need to know what they're doing, we, we want to understand why. And that's yes. that, that mental piece too. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. Well, and that really resonates with us because we're we're all about the why. So that's all about the that's why. Really important. Mm -hmm. And and I know you touched on this a moment ago when you were talking about the factors that might lend themselves to vulnerability for substance use, and then some of the protective factors. But can you just highlight again some of those takeaways for our parents? Ways they can really be protecting their child from using and abusing substances like like alcohol and drugs. I, I think. Probably the most important thing is that relationship with your child. And that be, that can begin if your child is six, seven, eight, or nine, or your child is 17, 18, or 19. Because what it gets down to, and, and the reason I wrote the parent workbook, is to help parents. The main book educates them, but I recognized also that parents need help as well because they're going through so many emotions when they discover their child is using a substance like alcohol or marijuana. They begin to question, where did I miss the warning signs? They were right in front of me. Why did I not see them? You know, am I, am I a bad parent? What did I do wrong? So they're going through all kinds of emotions and that's what the workbook is for. But I think one of the best protective things that parents can do is to is to work on and we can all get better at this is our communication skills and i talk about this in the parent workbook we can all become better at listening listening to each other and listening to our children we're very good at hearing the words when we when we talk to each other or we talk to our children we're very good at hearing the words they're saying 
sometimes we're not so good at listening to the feelings behind those words. And it's a skill that we can all learn. That's a skill that every parent can learn and practice so that when their child is talking to them or you're having this discussion about alcohol and drugs, you're not just hearing what they're saying, you're hearing what they're feeling. Because so many kids that that I have worked with, when you dig beneath the alcohol and drug use, when you look beyond the alcohol and drug use, you often find an underlying reason why they're using a substance. Just about every young man and woman that I worked with, every teenager who was smoking marijuana, and they were smoking a lot of marijuana, when I asked them to help me understand why they were using marijuana, the number one answer that I got from almost all of them was, it helps my anxiety. It helps me cope with my anxiety. And that's an example of how there might be, there always, it's not always the case, but there might be an underlying reason. It might be anxiety, it might be depression, it might be something that's going on at school. We don't know, but it's important to find that out. So it's important that as parents, we learn to listen to not just what our children are saying, the words, but can we understand the feelings? Because when they begin to sense that you're, you're not just listening to the words, you're understanding how they feel, then you've opened up that powerful door of communication and understanding. You can't see me right now, but my fist is in the air and I am cheering you on because, first of all, what a beautiful truth bomb to not just listen to the words, but listen to the feelings. I mean, that's fantastic. And I just love, I'm sure you do too, Dina. I love when um, experts come on the show and agree with us. Yes. <laughs> um, that always makes my heart happy. We talk about that on the show all the time, that that trusting relationship, the communication, leaving room for feelings, you know, all of that. I think I, I that's really helpful for me as a parent to hear that the things that, you know, that Dina, you and I value and that we prioritize in our work and also in our homes those are the things that can help us in these mm-hmm. situations be preventative, right? And, and proactive, which is our whole platform. So I love that. So Richard, I, I told you I was going to throw this question at you. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of our show you've listened to, but Dina and I pride ourselves on seeing the world a little differently. And in our drugs and alcohol episode where we talked, uh, I, I shared a different perspective, um, which is that I personally am in a family in a state. So we're in Washington state where marijuana is legal. And I don't know that I'm that concerned by the dabbling that I was talking about. And so I'm kind of curious how you would advise a family like mine, particularly the the part of this that's the most interesting to me is that as adults, most of us engage in some alcohol use and a lot of us are able to do that in a healthy way. And so the idea of telling children like you can't touch this, but now you're 21 and you can touch it, but you need to do it in a healthy way. But I haven't actually taught you how to do that fascinates me. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, if, if you if you're speaking to the, those listeners, and I will say there aren't many of them because we a lot of people were like, I disagree with you, Kira. <laughs> <laughs> but for the few listeners that maybe did or lean more in the direction of how I think about it, how do you advise people like me that are like, you know, I don't want to say nothing. No, absolutely not. But I also really don't want my children to end up addicted to drugs and alcohol. How do we help them find a middle ground or Am I wrong? I mean, you can totally tell me that. I'm just curious your thoughts. Well, I think that what the research would show is that children who uh, are in a home environment where alcohol use is, is permissive, 
where where parents take the attitude that uh, it's okay, you can drink at home, but you can't drink anywhere else, that in the long run, that doesn't work out too well. Those kids tend to go on to college and they and they actually increase drinking more uh, than, than they might have otherwise. And when it comes to marijuana, um, you know, kids will tell you, well, it's it's legal for adults. More and more states are making it making it legal, so it can't be all that bad. And that sort of feeds into two issues that make adolescent addiction so so powerful. One is availability. If you ask kids how available are these drugs, how easy easy is it for you to get them? Almost 80% of seniors will tell you it's really easy for them to get marijuana if they want it. Another 30% will tell you it's pretty easy for them to find LSD if they want it. And over 80% will tell you it's not difficult to get alcohol. So these drugs are readily available. The other issue is harmfulness. These kids do not see things like alcohol and, and marijuana as harmful. For example, 30%, only 30%, only 30% of seniors will tell you that smoking marijuana regularly is harmful. Only 30%. And only about 24, 25% of seniors will tell you that having a drink, one or two drinks nearly every day, is great risk. So they don't think these drugs are very harmful and they're easily available. And those two combinations make uh, drug abuse uh, very risky for our kids. But when it comes to marijuana, many parents will, will believe that it's okay for adults. And maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not going to judge that. But what I would say is it is not okay for adolescents. Drinking alcohol, using marijuana is not okay for adolescents. Those kids that I worked with who were smoking a lot of marijuana, when their test results came back, and these were very bright kids. These, these were kids whose IQs were above average to superior. And, but when their test results come back, their psychological and neuropsychological tests came back, what I noticed was that the processing speed of their brain was well below average. Their short-term memory was impaired and their motivation was really, really depressed. So it was having an impact on on their brains. So again, I get back to the difference between the adult brain and the adolescent brain. And, and parents need to understand that they need to protect their child's brain. And introducing alcohol or drugs into a developing brain runs the risk of not only short-term impairment, like what I was seeing with short-term memory um, and, and the processing speed of the brain, but it also makes them vulnerable to becoming truly addicted or captured by these substances and may ultimately lead in some cases to them moving on to more harder core drugs, either later in adolescence or in, in adulthood. You know, I really appreciate that answer. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially with regards to the brain and thinking about the development of the brain. So I have a quick follow-up because I think I think you've convinced me, sir. So I, <laughs> which is no small feat, I will tell you. So here's my follow-up question then. Because, you know, Dina and I are future-focused parents and we're all about raising those adults and so much of what we do in their childhood is setting them up for adulthood. If the argument is, which I get, that your brain's not ready for it until you're 25, really, right? How do we set them up then to have a healthy relationship with alcohol or with legal substances when they're not going to be engaging with them until they're no longer in our home? 
Well, you set the foundation throughout childhood and throughout their high school years. You you help them understand the need to protect their body, to, to protect their brain. And, and perhaps you help them understand how these drugs work within the brain. Have them read my chapter on the neuroscience of addiction, which is non-technical. It's, I, I, intend, I intended to keep it very easy to read, but yet it will give parents and will give uh, children an understanding of how these drugs work within the brain. The one thing that I noticed that made a difference with these with these adolescents when it came to using the marijuana that they would tell me they would use because none of them wanted to stop. None of them thought it was harmful. All of them knew their parents didn't like it. And all of them told me they didn't care. They were going to keep using. So it didn't do me any good to tell them it was illegal. It didn't do me any good to tell them it was going to hurt their grades or they were going to, you know, not graduate or not get a job because they didn't believe it and they didn't care about it. But what did make a difference? What made a difference was the neuroscience, was for them to see and understand how these substances work within the brain. I would show them a picture, a diagram of a brain, and the different areas of the brain and what they were responsible for. One area is responsible for vision. One area is responsible for coordination. One area is responsible for higher order thinking. And then I showed them another diagram that that helped them see visually where marijuana attached itself to the brain. Then they could see, now I understand how this is impacting my short-term memory. Now I understand why I'm not as sharp as I used to be. So it was the neuroscience that captured their attention. So parents, if you can help your child understand the neuroscience, understand how these substances work in their brain and many times curtail their brain's ability to function, you may have opened the door to their understanding. It's so interesting because I just think, oh, neuroscience, that would be for sure the thing that would be the turn off. So how interesting that actually was the thing they latched on to once they could visually see that impact. Because I think we would just when we just throw out the term neuroscience, we're like, oh, teenagers, they're not going to listen to that. So I, (laughs) I just I just find that so, so captivating that that was the key. That's so interesting. And I want to say to those of you listeners who are like me, when he's saying seniors, he's talking about high school seniors, because I keep I keep having that quick moment of like over 65. What are we? <laughs> I just I just I just want to be clear. We're, we're, we're talking about adolescents today. So when you hear seniors, we're high school seniors. I have I have had nobody make that comment at all in the past. You're the only one who came up with the idea that when I mentioned that a certain percentage of seniors are using it, jumped to the conclusion they must be over 65. Well, I think we're in we're in a season of being very focused on our seniors. Yes. So I think that's exactly what I was going to say. We're hearing about that. You know, they're the vulnerable population right, right now. Right. So I just, I just go right to that. So we just want to be clear. But really Richard, this has been so informative and helpful. Thank you so much. Would you share with our listeners, hey, if they want to learn more, tell them about your book, uh, where they can find out about you on your website, social media handles, whatever you'd like to share if they want to take a deeper dive into this or learn more about you or the book. I would recommend they go to the book's website. Uh, On the website, they can uh, learn more about me. They can read some uh, endorsements from some psychiatrists and psychologists who have reviewed the book and have endorsement. There's uh, some reader reviews that are there. Uh, There are some blog articles. 
Um, so there's more information and there's a way that they can order from Amazon through the website. They can order the primary book and the parent workbook. And if you're a parent, I would really encourage you to get both. And the website, and they can also contact me through the website. They can send me messages and I, and I encourage them and welcome them to do that. The website is helptheaddictedchild.com. Helptheaddictedchild.com. And it is a wonderful book, FFPs. It's accessible, like I said, stays away from techie and medical jargon. Chapters are short. You could read a chapter, literally some of them in 10 minutes. And that book is called The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. Thank you again, Richard, for sharing with our audience today. Yeah, thanks, Richard. It's been such a pleasure, and I I have a lot to chew on. I really appreciate I really appreciate what you brought to the table today. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. I really appreciate your contributions to the discussion as well, and the opportunity to talk about this issue and reach out to uh, to parents. Well, listeners, we hope that was as helpful and insightful for you as it was for us. I can say as someone who's walked this road personally, it's important, and it's part of why, even though Kira and I did an episode with our own takes on on this topic, we wanted to bring in an expert who can lend not only the experience of working with those with mental health and substance issues, but someone who, who brings the knowledge, brings the statistics, brings the information that we weren't able to bring to bear. And we just hope that was helpful for you. And I really give you a huge kudos if you were one of those parents who has littler kids at home and hung in there to learn what you can be doing to be preventative and proactive and what to watch for and pitfalls to avoid. We just applaud you. We know that you are future-focused parents. That's why we love you. That's why you're our people. So thank you for listening today, even if at first blush, you thought maybe this topic wasn't for you. We look forward to being back with you next week with more. And again, welcome Molly, our new FFP member. We're so glad to have you on board as part of the FFP family. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and produced partially in Kira's laundry room, partially in my coat closet. Editing by Allison Preisinger and music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks so much for listening.